What's going on, everybody? I'm Kyle Webb. And I'm his brother, Nathan Webb. And you're listening to our podcast, Two Brothers and a Review. That's right, Two Brothers and a Review. Welcome back. Uh, just wanted to go ahead and plug the Instagram real quick for you. It's Two Bros in a Review. You know, once we get to 100 followers on our Instagram, we will be doing live reaction videos alongside our reviews. That's right. Um, so make sure you follow us on Two Bros in a Review. Like he said, once we get to 100, we'll start doing those live action, live reaction uh, reviews. Um, in addition to that, I mentioned a few times, I will also be doing some hot sauce tastings alongside the, the review that you'll be able to see me and be drinking a lot of water, milk, whatever it may be. I don't know. We'll see. But um, yeah, hit us up on Two Bros and Review. Hit that follow button. It's where you get to see all of our um, cover movie cover edits and the other informational posts that we've been posting um, about the reviews that we've done and whatnot. We post some silly shit. We post some informational shit too. So yeah, just go follow us, Two Bros and Review. Um, obviously weekly, please continue to listen to us on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and all them other platforms. If there is a particular one that we are not on, slide into our DMs over there at Two Bros and Review and let us know which one we're not on and we will do everything we can to get us on there for you. That's right. And if you guys could also please go on that purple icon on your Apple device is the Apple Podcast icon. Go on there, search Two Bros in a Review, Two Brothers in a Review, actually, and uh, leave us a comment, five stars. Just make it funny. Make us laugh. Yep. If you make us laugh, we might read it on our podcast. Um, we may not. You never know. <laughs> but there's a chance that we'll read read your review. Um, we got to get a lot of reviews before we start doing that again, though. We've already we've already read a few. So give us those reviews, guys. Um Call to action. Just follow us on Instagram, Two Bros and Review. Listen to us weekly and review our podcast on Apple. Those are the things that you can do for us, and they're all free. Please, please help us do it. Yes, please do it. Okay, so uh, for the listeners, we're reviewing Forrest Gump today. Now, you want to get into the housekeeping, Nate? Yeah. Um, first, I just want to mention this is our 13th weekly episode, and yesterday's review of the Elf Elf was the fourth bonus episode. So we're sitting at 17 episodes total. Definitely Dang. putting in work and cranking them out. Yeah. How um, many stoppings? <laughs> but with, with that being said, yep, we are we are doing this through um, Zoom again just to to say to stay safe everybody. So but yeah, let's get into the housekeeping for Home Alone cuz that's the only one that we haven't covered yet. Um First thing, I, I compiled a list here. So you stated that Home Alone's box office had to be one of the biggest that we had reviewed. You are 100% correct. Home Alone is currently the 233rd highest box of office of all time. Um, and then here are the box office gross of the movies we have reviewed up to this point. I don't have them in order or anything, but I do have um, their box office gross, so we could just compare a little bit. Um, our, actually, it goes in the order of how we review them. So, Halloween, $70 million. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, $30.9 million. Pet Cemetery, $57.5 million. The Shining, $47 million. Uh, the Mask of the Red Death, um, there's no box office, but I have admissions for France. It was $121,794. Uh, 13 Ghost, 68.5 million. Friday the 13th, 59.8 million. The Strangers, 82.4 million. So that's the highest so far. Beetlejuice, 74.3. Freebirds, 110.4. So that's that's the new leader. <laughs> Nightmare Before Christmas is 91.5 million. Jack Frost was straight to video, so there's no box office for that. Here we go. How the Grinch Stole Christmas, $363.4 million. So that, that takes the lead big time. Um, Christmas Vacation was $76.3 million. And then, as I stated, the winner, Home Alone, is $477.1 million. And then to round us out, Elf was $220 million. 
still, that was a high, uh, high box office. But yeah, the, just... the top three are all Christmas movies. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you gotta think that's a family thing. Right. I was surprised that of all the horror ones, though, The Strangers is the highest on, yeah. on the list that we reviewed. I mean, it was a good movie, but... Um, all right, well, that's the, the box office for what we've done so far. I think I'll, I'll do that every once in a while just to give us a, a list of some sort. But uh, I said that whoever designed the artwork for Home Alone logo does not get enough credit. Um, I did a ton of research, and maybe I missed it, but I couldn't find the graphic designer anywhere. I did, however, find that John Muto or Mutto was production designer, so it may have been attributed to him. I can't say that 100%, unfortunately. So, if anyone knows, please message us on our Instagram. Two bros and a review, guys. Um, and then lastly, for Home Alone housekeeping, when we began talking about the tropes, the first trope was... Um, the first trope we covered was entitled For Want of a Nail. I knew what the trope was, and I could explain it, but I wasn't sure of what the... I didn't understand the name, basically. So, I did some quick research and found the following. For Want of a Nail is a proverb having numerous variations over several centuries, reminding that seemingly unimportant acts or omissions can have grave and unforeseen consequences. It describes a situation in where there is failure to predict or correct a minor issue. The minor issue escalates and compounds itself into a major issue. Probably the most well-known version is the one which appeared in Benjamin Franklin's Poor Rich Poor Richard's Almanac, which begins, For want of a nail, the shoe was lost. For want of a shoe, the horse was lost. So on and so on. But, yeah, I just I wanted to know where the hell For want of a nail came from, and, and that sums it up right there. So, <coughs> that is all that I have for housekeeping. Guess it's time to get into the review with some facts, right? That's right. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! So, Forrest Gump is a 1994 American romantic comedy drama film directed by Robert Zemeckis and written by Eric Roth. It is based on the 1986 novel of the same name by Winston Groom and stars Tom Hanks. The story depicts several decades in the life of Forrest Gump, played by Tom Hanks, a slow-witted but kind-hearted man from Alabama, who witnessed and unwittingly influences several defining historical events in the 20th century United States. The film differs substantially from the novel. And then the back of the case, I'm just going to read it verbatim. Uh, forgive me for tongue twisting or anything like that. It <laughs> seems like a common theme with these past few movies. Life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. <laughs> Forrest Gump is the movie triumph that becomes a phenomenon. Tom Hanks gives an astonishing performance as Forrest, and every man whose simple innocence comes to embody a generation. The winner of six Academy Awards, including Best Picture, Best Director, and Best Actor. They definitely got a, a lot of awards. Um... The movie is rated PG and has a runtime of 142 minutes. It's a long one. Damn. The budget and box office is the best one so far. Uh, it was $55 million and grossed over $677 million worldwide. Woo! That's, yeah. that's almost 200 more than Home Alone, right? Yeah. And that wasn't Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> um, couple couple quick things here. John Travolta was the original choice to play the title role and admits passing on the role was a mistake. Sean Penn, Bill Murray, and Chevy Chase were also considered for the role. Um, another, Joe Pesci was considered for the role of Lieutenant Dan. Oh, shit. <laughs> so we've got Joe Pesci and Chevy Chase, both from <laughs> previous movies we reviewed. Of course. And then uh, David, David Alan Greer... Ice Cube and Dave Chappelle were all offered the role of Benjamin Buford Blue, a.k.a. Bubba, <laughs> but turned it down. Chappelle said he believed the film would be unsuccessful. And he also acknowledged that he regrets not taking the role. So. I, I bet. I bet. <laughs> Kurt Russell was un, unaccredited, but provided the voice of Elvis in the movie. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we've got 
potential of Chevy Chase playing Forrest Gump, Joe Pesci playing Lieutenant Dan, and then Dave Chappelle playing um, Bubba. Bubba. (laughs) Can you imagine that movie? What a difference that would be. Yeah, it might not have been successful. (laughs) It would probably be more on the funny side. Yeah. Uh, extensive visual effects were used to incorporate Hanks into the archive footage and to develop other scenes. The cha- the soundtrack features songs reflecting the different periods seen in the film. Um, which I, I have a question based on the amount of time and Gump not aging, but we'll get to that later. It de- it definitely covers a I, I think forty years, I believe. So yeah, good ass music though. <laughs> oh yes, absolutely. I love the music. Uh, Definitely, I'd say half the reason this is a successful movie is the soundtrack was phenomenal. But oh, okay, even Brittany says she goes, "I love Forrest Gump." And the soundtrack's amazing. <laughs> yep. Uh, surprisingly, Forrest Gump only took five months to film. They were filming from August to December of '93. Um, a little side note. Remember the speech that Forrest gave during the anti-Vietnam rally but was not heard because the the pro-military man fucked up the audio? Yeah. Unplugged the mic or whatever? According to Tom Hanks, the actual censored portion of the speech was sometimes when people go to Vietnam, they go home to their mamas without legs. Sometimes they don't go home at all. That's a bad thing. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> so that that's what Tom Hanks said was said during that time that you don't get to hear it. So I just thought that was a interesting little tidbit. It's funny because it seems like he said a lot more. Like there was a lot more time in past. Yeah. <laughs> um, like they were showing them like wrestle around trying to plug everything back in. <laughs> that's all I got to say about that. <laughs> I used to do a phenomenal Forrest Gump impression, but apparently my old age, I've I've lost that ability. But my grandma used to love hearing me do Forrest Gump. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I I don't think there's any more uh, facts to throw out there for these listeners. If you want to, unless you got something. No, just my opinions. All right, let's get into them. You know what they say about opinions. It's my opinion that at the moment you'd be serving this department best by working with me in public relations. Well, opinions are like assholes. Everybody has one. Yeah, I'd like to start us off with the uh, the whole feather on the intro thing. Yes. I, I like that touch. Like, I don't think there's really any other movie that's kind of did it, but maybe afterwards. But I think the feather just following through and then dropping down to the uh, the original trope, the uh, introduction to the feet. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, you... <laughs> feet first intro. Yep. Um, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, the feather actually is a... Uh, is a trope and a little bit of foreshadowing also. We we'll get to that later, but I'm I'm with you. I definitely I loved the the feather floating down in the opening scene and then coming back in the end. Bookends. That that's what the uh the trope is. Um Yeah. <laughs> I, I, like and the funny thing is like those Nike Cortezes, like man, I remember those shoes. <laughs> I've watched I don't know about you, but I've watched Forrest Gump a thousand times. That's that's I probably wore that VHS out more than we wore the mask VHS out. Um, but of all the times that I've watched it, I never picked up on Forrest saying that he was named after his relative in the KKK. I, I swear, I was like, is this one of those like Mandela effects where they just added this in? Because I didn't remember that. I remembered like the KKK stuff, but I didn't remember them saying that he was named after him. I, I, that hit me. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> He's getting um, into everything. Yeah. However, I did um, some research and I discovered General Forrest led the clan for only one year before dissolving it and ordering the members to burn their white robes and hoods. Oh, so he wasn't a. I mean, he was a shithead for a year and then. Yep. <laughs> he American History X did. He turned around. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Also, I've had my. This is one of the funnier scenes, probably. Um,. I've had my fair share of sex, and I've watched a shit ton of porn. I'm sure you have as well. But uh, I've never heard the sounds that came out of that room when Miss Gump was fucking the principal while Forrest was on the swing. 
on the, the vessels up. He was like, yes. Yeah. He goes, your mama sure does love you, boy. <laughs> <laughs> that fucking, this movie, like, I want to know if there was anything ad lib on this because I didn't. I didn't come across anything in my research, but I'm I'm curious to know also if if anything was ad libbed. It, it, if, if so, it was Lieutenant Dan ad ad libbed something. That's <laughs> the only thing I can think of. Lieutenant Dan, you ain't got no legs. <laughs> you thought I was supposed to die back there with my men. <laughs> I'm okay. sad. I'm sad. Jordan's not joining us. He said this was his favorite movie, so I really wanted to hear his take, but. Maybe he should start his own podcast. <laughs> um, so after Forrest tells Jenny that he's being sent to Vietnam, and just before she gets uh, into the truck to drive off, Forrest tells her he will write all the time. How? Like, she doesn't have an address. I mean, later it shows her leaving her grandma's house or whatever, but at that point she was just running off. So how is Forrest Gump writing to her? He was writing to that address because that one when he is after he gets shot in the ass with a bullet, he's going through all of his letters. They're all, all returned return, return to sender, yeah. I just I don't know. It just seemed that part kind of threw me off a little bit, saying that he's going to write all the time. But then she went off. Like, how was he going to know where to send him? I guess, like I said, his grandma's, but or her grandma's. You you were in the military, yeah. Is it possible to send off letters like the way he was doing it? Yeah, I mean, I only I think I only wrote like two or three times, but like if yeah, it just kind of looked like he wasn't in any position to just like write a letter and then just like oh hey send this off like there there's like I actually when I was deployed I was I was a mailman as well um so you collect the mail and you you take it out to the different bases or whatever and deliver it and the same thing if you got a letter they give it. They would give it to me. I would take it back, and we'd we'd ship it off. So, yeah, you can you can easily write write letters. Like when you're in the trenches, like behind enemy lines. I don't, I don't, I don't know if anybody's doing that, but I mean, I guess it's that's, possible. <laughs> that's what I gather. That's what like I was like I was like, uh, I love the movie. I love the whole reason. You know, like it like lets you know he was writing letters to Jenny. Yeah, and all, blah blah blah. But it was just like. A little far. It seemed like it was too far fetched for me. I guess. I guess if you're in fucking Vietnam, you can just. Yeah, I mean, if if you've dug yourself a little foxhole, and you, I mean, you got you got to sleep in those and and such. So somebody's normally pulling guard. So maybe you're just you're just chilling and you're writing a letter. Maybe I mean, but I can't say that I personally did that, so I, I don't know. But good question though. <laughs> yeah. <Awesome. clears throat> Nate, Nate was in the military, so I have I can I can ask some questions and maybe get some good answers back. Cause, and yeah, I was right. You you answered them pretty good. Um, there is a beautiful match cut. Uh, Forrest flinches when trying to remember his first pair of shoes, and then the first flashback starts with himself as a child flinching while the doctor puts his braces on for the first time. Um, and for those who don't know, a match cut is an editing trust editing transition that matches an object in the first shot with an object in the second shot so we've oftentimes pointed out different transitions and editing techniques because we do them ourselves and that's one that i was like oh that's that was beautiful beautifully done so um i think my favorite line in the movie oh we're jumping the line okay no i mean like okay my i'll just say my favorite line in the beginning of the movie okay was when the doctor says your back is as crooked as a politician. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with his legs. His back's just as crooked as a politician. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I just remember thinking, like, I don't remember them saying that either. Was this, <laughs> Which, speaking of that, what's what? Why is he getting braces on his legs if his back's the problem? <laughs> I don't know. It had to just be for the movie. <laughs> I don't know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to look up. This this started in like the fifties, I think. I'll double yeah, check, yeah. but I'll have to look to see what like medical procedures for crooked backs were to see if they thought straightening the legs would help. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't even. Sure. What's, what's the term for a crooked back? It's politician. Yeah. 
pretty much. No, I don't, I don't know. Uh, it's like, oh man, I don't have to look Scoliosis? Scoliosis, yeah. Like, I don't know that, like, I feel like you'd need a bacchiotomy, not a, not a leg. <laughs> Is that a like, thing? Is a bacchiotomy a thing? Yeah, the doctor said I'm going to need a bacchiotomy. <laughs> I'll have to do a little bit of digging and see if I can I can find that. Um, <coughs> excuse me. <clears throat> While yeah, I, never, I never understood that whole brace with the leg for the back thing, but I mean it made for a really good part when Jenny's run, fall, wrist, run, run. and it breaks off his I leg. Laughed, yeah. I laughed pretty hard when when they slow motor sang it. <laughs> run, forest, run. And I was just like, oh my god, this is wild. <laughs> Um, Those kids were fucking assholes. They were. Absolute fucking douchebag assholes, I agree. <laughs> Their entire lives. <laughs> and they still never got him, so fuck them. Yeah. <laughs> um, while he was recovering... Huh? He said, I ran like the wind. <laughs> <laughs> while he was recovering after being shot in the buttocks, Forrest was referred to as PFC Gump. The following scene where he was dressed in his Class A uniform um, in... DC, he had sergeant rank. I'm not sure how much time was implied that passed, but that's not the way it works. You you don't yeah. jump from PFC. It's another military thing, so I can answer that. You don't jump from PFC to sergeant overnight. So there, is there's PFC the same as a private, huh? Is PFC the same as a private? Yeah, you you come. The first one is just a private, and it's just just one up arrow. The second one is. Um, E, it's called E2 or Private 2. And the third one is what he was, which is a triangle with a circle at the bottom of it. That's a PFC. The next thing would be a specialist or a corporal, and then a sergeant. So, it, so he, skipped, he, he skipped a specialist. And, yeah, and he skipped it very very quickly, which it doesn't work that way. But <laughs> I don't know how much time was supposed to have lapsed. Maybe that was just a big gap of time missing, but I, I'm I'm not sure. Well, did they call him a sergeant after he was doing the ping pong thing? Yeah, uh, but I don't. I don't think it was ever called a sergeant. Like they never called him Sergeant Gump. Maybe they did, but um, I just noticed the rank on his arm. That's how I, I picked up okay. on the, the rank also, change. There is a part where they said, uh, like when he's doing the ping pong uh -huh. and he's teaching everybody. He said, he said they didn't want to send me back to ball, so they they made me a specialist <laughs> or something like they that. They say he made him a specialist. Mm-hmm. Oh, I missed that completely. I'm gonna have to go back and check then. It's like when it's like he's uh doing the ping pong by by himself. Yeah. At the table, and there's like the uh, audience of people watching him. Right. Before he's do in like China or whatever. Yeah. They said he they they made him a specialist. Oh. I remember thinking like, what's that mean? <laughs> it's that's it's the rank after PSC. Um. Okay. <clears throat> I'll I'll have to go back and. And look, I mean, still, that's still quick, like, quick fucking transition of rank, but all that, that explains a little bit, so I'll definitely go back and look at that. Um, they gave you the Congressional Medal of Honor? <laughs> 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 I was, Lieutenant, I mean, it, it, like, like you said, Forrest Gump is the only one that doesn't age in this movie. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. <laughs> but you, speaking of the Congressional Medal, <laughs> Medal of Honor... Um, when Forrest gives Ginny his Medal of Honor, he says, I got it just by doing what you told me to do. This statement is false, because Ginny told him to be brave, or to not be brave, and to run. He ran, but he went back to save the men in his platoon. So he, he didn't do it just by doing what she told him to do. I just yeah. I just wanted to, uh, to mention that little thing there, too. Um, <laughs> go ahead. When he, when he beats up the dude at the Black Panther Party? Yeah. And they like open the door, and Jenny's like, "Come on, Forrest, we gotta go." And he goes, "I'm sorry for ruining your Black Panther party." <laughs> yes, <laughs> I was like, "Holy shit!" That, that was well written. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, again, so many things I didn't pick up as a child, but I do do now. Example: Lieutenant confronts Forrest about receiving the Congressional, Med Congressional Medal of Honor, like you just said. Uh, Forrest is shown pushing him in a wheelchair through New York City after that, and Forrest says that Lieutenant Dan said because he didn't have no legs, he spent most of his time exercising his arm. Yeah. <laughs> I obviously didn't know that when I was a child, but... 
Well, right after that, they're crossing the street, and he smacks the cab and goes, I'm walking here. <laughs> That's like one of Jordan's favorite lines. He goes, I'm fucking walking here. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, we already talked about this. We already talked about this a little bit, too. I uh, love the use of the soundtrack in the movie. Perfect timing. And this is like when uh, Jenny was shown leaving her then-boyfriend or whatever it was to her house on New Year's, which is why you picked this for New Year's. Um, and the Doors song, Love Her Madly, played. Uh, the lyric, As She's Walking Out the Door, played as as she was literally walking out the door. Like, Love Her Madly, As She's Walking, walking out, out the Door. Yeah, and, yeah. and she's actually walking out the door. It was just, it was perfect, like, timing with it and everything. Um, and then again, when Jenny is contemplating jumping off the balcony, the Leonard Skinner song, Freebird, can be heard in the background just before she steps to the balcony. The lyrics are, Lord knows, I can't change. Lord help me, I can't change. Followed by that solo guitar. So their their use of the songs, along with how good the soundtrack was, just, oh, mwah, yeah. chef's kiss. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they, definitely, they definitely hit the nail on the with the hammer you know <laughs> yep. right on the head with that with the soundtrack and adding them into the uh to the movie yeah like, timing I, yeah when she was walking out the door and the song came on like i was singing the song then i seen her walking out the door and it was like as she's walking out i was like damn that was that was time perfectly <laughs> yeah that was slick <laughs> uh you brought up the the remark earlier it was your early favorite line. Um, how about your overall favorite line or scene? Because I've got a, I've got a pretty specific one. I got some dialogue to read. So, do you have a specific line overall that you that stands out to you? My okay. So my favorite, like, I don't know if you would call it like heartwarming. It's just like kind of like the favorite part to me in the movie mm -hmm. is when like they're at the bar and he's like, "If you become a captain, I'll be your first mate." Then my favorite scene is when Gump's sitting right there and, he, and he's just sitting on the dock like, hey, what's up? Like, I told you. And then he dives into the fucking water. <laughs> and leaves the boat. Like, <laughs> you couldn't have been more like, what the fuck is going on? But it was like the perfect, like, build up for everything like that. Like, Did you notice that the boat changed course on its own? Because the boat was passing by this way. And then when he got up to the pier with Lieutenant Dan, it came back the other direction. <laughs> oh, crashed everything. Okay, yeah. well that that's that's your favorite, probably your favorite scene. You think, or at least as you said, like the heartwarming. Yeah, I think so. Just because it's like the way they built it up and like earlier in the movie, and then it's like boom. <laughs> gotcha. Um, well, my favorite line and my favorite scene are combined in this movie. I can't say it to its entirety because I don't say GD it and GD it is used, so don't judge me. Um, but it is absolutely, um, my favorite favorite line is absolutely the scene where Gump is in basic training and interacts with the drill sergeant. So here, here's the, uh, the, um, the dialogue. And part of this reason maybe I like this is just because I've experienced this to an extent. But So the drill sergeant, what is your sole purpose in this army? Gump replies. To do whatever you tell me, Drill Sergeant. GD it, Gump. You're a GD genius. That's the most outstanding answer I've ever heard. You must have an IQ of 160. You are a GD certified private, Gump. Or gifted private, Gump. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I love all of that. But then also, back to the Drill Sergeant a little bit later, uh, having just completed assembling his weapon. Done, Drill Sergeant. Gump, why did you put that weapon together so quickly, Gump? You told me to, Drill Sergeant. Jesus H. Christ, this is a new company record. If it wouldn't be a waste of such a damn fine enlisted man, I'd recommend recommend you for OCS, Private Gump. You're going to be a general someday, Gump. Now disassemble your weapon and continue. <laughs> like I said, there's a lot of dialogue there, but that's just my... It's, that scene just stands out to me. And I like I liked it before I joined the military, but I think I, I relate even more closely because... Similar experiences in um, basic. Obviously, I I didn't quickly put a weapon together like he did, but yeah, no, I, I definitely I was wondering about like what he was saying to Gump when he assembled the gun, like what that even meant. Wait, what now? When he assembled the gun, yeah, 
and, and the drill sergeant said that, like I'd recommend you to whatever. To become a like, to become an officer because there's enlisted and then there's also the officer <clears throat> route. So that's just, that's all he's saying. He'd recommend them to to become an officer. But uh oh, somebody come in. Um, because it's it's I I don't know how to like the enlisted people like a sergeant. He's enlisted and he wants enlisted men under him, where officers are more looked at as hey look it's Jordan. <laughs> officers are more looked at like the the office people like the enlisted or grunts and officers are office or whatever you know so he wants him to be enlisted opposed to being an officer but and ultimately officers are in charge of all of the enlisted also oh okay so but yeah I had to ask because well, well since you since you joined us Jay Hunt Skates why don't you tell us what your favorite scene of Forrest Gump is? Well, I think, I don't know if you guys are talking about the same, like, time, but, like, when my favorite scene is probably when he's putting together the gun. Yeah. And the dude's like, God damn it, Gump! <laughs> and he gets all pissed, and then he's like, I can't remember exactly what he says, but that scene is absolutely hilarious. He literally walked in right after he said the entire scene. Yeah, <laughs> I, I just read the whole dialogue for it, minus the GD it, because I can't say that personally. My own my own beliefs don't judge me. Um, but yeah, that that's my favorite scene of the movie as well. So, it's your favorite scene of the whole movie? Probably, yeah. That's probably the, well, yeah. <laughs> that or the. Um, I don't know. The whole running thing is pretty funny. Where like yeah. he creates the shit happens <laughs> and like all that shit. Yep, that's pretty funny. <laughs> okay, so we got we got the uh, Jordan here, his favorite movie. So maybe he'll be able to answer this question. We already talked about it a little bit. Did Forrest discover the Fountain of Youth? I I, I say I see the, the puzzled look. So I'll explain it a little bit. Once he is shown as a college student, at which point he met JFK, who was the president from 61 to 63, he never ages after that. Like, that's his his grown state, and the rest of the movie, he's the same way, right? Cause so we can assume he is 20 or so in 61. He was in the military while Nixon was president in 69 through 74 during the Watergate scandal, and then was discharged, so roughly 34 years old at that point. Then Jenny died on March 22nd of 1982, that would make Forrest right around 42 years old. Yet he still looks the exact same as he did when he was 20. I guess he might have then. <laughs> I never thought about that. Like, I always tell people, like, he, he went through literally, like, all the main things in history. So it's just like, I, yeah, I never never put that into perspective. Yeah. Like he was, maybe he's a time traveler. He must be, well, something. But <clears throat> I, I say that, but... Uh, the bus driver Dorothy Harris doesn't age either, because she is oh. she's the bus driver when Forrest Gump is a kid and gets on the bus, and then she's still the bus driver and doesn't really seem to be aging that much when Forrest Gump's son gets on the bus. So, jeez, <laughs> they didn't think about that for sure. <laughs> That's an iconic ass movie, though. Like it shows oh, you every like what he went through was just like. Yeah. That movie is incredible. It literally has everything. Action, love, like, everything. Well, not horror, obviously, but... There's a little bit of horror in there. Not to the extent of, like, a slasher horror, but there's there's some horror going on. So what's your guys' least favorite part of the movie? Oh. Yeah. I know it's a good no, movie. Okay, you... Actually, I can, I can say it. Ginny. I, I can't stand when Ginny's on the screen because she's just fucking killing Forrest, and I love Forrest Gump. So, Jenny, that's my least favorite part of the movie. <laughs> Can't steal my answer, Jordan. <laughs> I was going to say, Jenny, like, just her being terrible, but <clears throat> I'll say my second one, just because you said Jenny. Um, I think Lieutenant Dan, the way he makes, <laughs> the way he treats Forrest at first is just out of control. <laughs> At first, he treats him pretty all right. It's like all right, yeah. But I'm talking like when he like starts, but then he finally like is like, oh, that's my friend. Like, don't mess with him. Like, oh, so you're talking about after he loses legs? He's talking about for or Lieutenant Dan 
after he loses his leg. Yeah. Before yeah. the girl calls him a retard. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, I think that's the best Lieutenant Dan there is. <laughs> uh, my least favorite part of the whole movie is is when they show Jenny's side boob. Because they should have showed the whole thing, but it probably wasn't <laughs> that nice. Because <laughs> I remember thinking, like, like oh, side boob. Ew, that doesn't look that great. Like, she just, I don't know. She always looked like she was, like, fucking sick the whole movie. I mean, I know she died later, but, like, she did a lot of cocaine and people. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't, I, if I remember correctly, didn't she do heroin in the movie, too? Yeah, I think she did. She? Her, I mean, I'm not a drug person, but heroin is when you have the the needle or whatever, right? Isn't that heroin? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. she does. She uses a needle at one point. Okay. Along with snorting some shit, I believe. So. Yeah. Been there, done I, that. I, is, is her? I guess we can all three say that Ginny was our least favorite character. <laughs> <laughs> like I liked her as a kid, but then she grew up and turned into a fucking whore and just shat all over. Forest the entire movie, so fuck her. <laughs> well, her dad was the reason for all that, okay? <laughs> fair argument, fair argument, yeah. <laughs> yeah, her dad uh, was insane in that movie. So, besides Forrest, who's your favorite character? Well, it's gotta be Lieutenant Dan or Bubba. I mean, both of them are. Uh, like, Lieutenant Dan, I guess he has more screen time, so I'll go with Lieutenant Dan, but Bubba's definitely right there with him. Yeah, you? Bubba's my. Or, I was gonna say Bubba. Lieutenant Dan's my favorite. I honestly, uh, the Bubba scene where he's just talking about shrimp. I understand that it's an iconic part for the movie, mm -hmm. but it's like we get it. There's a shit ton of shrimp thing you can do with shrimp. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's a trope. I'll get to it, but that's a trope. How he lists off all those things. Have you guys ever? Part, huh? I was gonna say the best part about Bubba was when he was done. He goes. That's all I gotta say about shrimp. <laughs> Have you guys ever eaten at Bubba Gump Shrimp? Because you know that's a real restaurant, right? Yeah, I've seen it. I haven't been in it though. It's not. Yeah, I've got a picture of me sitting on the bench outside. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not... Until recently, I thought I was allergic to shrimp. So. Oh. Well. I had an incident in Tennessee where I couldn't breathe and went to the hospital, but then I ate shrimp like kind of recently, and it was fine. It's, yeah, pro it's probably that chlamydia you have. <laughs> yeah, well, Bubba Gum Shrimp is, is pretty good. It's not it's not the best I've ever tasted, but yeah, it's pretty good. You you already said something about the, the shirt, so I'll I'll bring it up now. Um when Forrest is running and the failed t shirt salesman gets the idea of a smiley face shirt, uh Forrest says, Have a nice day. Are you a wrestling fan at all? Jordan? No. No? Not. Okay. Well, neither one of you will care about this, but I do. Mick Foley is a famous um, for many things, one being wearing a smiley face shirt and saying, have a nice day. So I just thought that was pretty funny. I can't confirm or deny whether he took it from this movie or the movie took it from him. But um, That's all I can really ask. <laughs> yeah. I did a little research, though, and I found that it was originally designed to, to stop postal employees from going crazy or going postal. Um, the smiley face is also commonly used as, as a sort of ironic symbol of psychopaths, typically those who are also mentally ill. Oh, jeez. So, <laughs> got a little deep there, but... <laughs> yeah, that's, got a, that's got a deep meaning. <laughs> Shit happens. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, I've got... I don't think you guys asked this yet, but um, what would be your guys' favorite quote in the movie? Yeah, we already said ours. Uh, mine is probably the. Um, I remember my first pair of shoes. Mama called them my magic shoes. She <laughs> said they could take me anywhere. <laughs> We've all three officially done a gump impression. <laughs> my mine. I'm not gonna read it again, but mine is the whole, the scene where the drill sergeant and um, Forrest interact. Like just that whole scene and the, that dialogue. That's my favorite line and scene in the movie. So, yes, drill sergeant. Yeah. <laughs> my favorite quote or my whole favorite scene is "Sorry for ruining your Black Panther party." <laughs> <laughs> that just made me laugh the hardest out of everything in the movie. But yeah, like, my favorite scene was Lieutenant Dan. Like, I, I got a question for you. Yeah, 
Can you name how many Dr. Peppers he drank? Was it 12 or 15? 14. 14? 15. 15, okay. <laughs> I knew it was in that little range. Huh? How's it feel to be an All-American? I got paid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I said that when I was watching it with Erica. Um, I didn't realize this, but every time I always announce that I have to pee, I say it like that, and I didn't realize that I, I must have gotten it from that movie. But if you yeah. ever heard me, I'm like, well, I got to pee. <laughs> <laughs> There is there is quite a bit of foreshadowing in this movie. Would you like me to to enlighten you a little bit on some of the foreshadowing? Oh yeah. Okay. Um I want to be up on stage with just a guitar in my voice. That ended up being quite literal for her. She was up there with just her guitar and her voice, no clothes. So that's oh, a little a little huh? Before you uh get it any further, I thought about that. When she's on stage with a guitar and she's supposed to be butt naked. Yeah. You can see the outline of yeah, her. Yeah, you can. <laughs> in panty. Yeah. Um, and then at the... Look at anyways. <laughs> at the very beginning of the movie, Forrest opens his suitcase, and we can see not only the Curious George book, which Mama reads to him and Forrest Jr. takes uh, He takes the show and tell, but also his Bubba Gump hat and his ping pong paddle. We also see he's wearing muddy Nikes, like you, you mentioned, I think, Kyle. Like... Uh, like those he wore when he ran for two and a half years. Even the box of chocolate shows up in the story when he gives Jenny a box of um, at college. So in that just that opening scene, you can see those, all of those things. Um, and then a subtle example of foreshadowing, Lieutenant Dan pokes fun at Forrest over his aspirations of captioning, um, captaining a shrimping boat, saying, if, you've, if you're ever shrimping boat captain, I'll be an astronaut. Later, Lieutenant Dan shows up at Forrest and Jenny's wedding, sporting titanium legs, which Lieutenant Dan explains it was, um, they were made from, out of the space shuttle. So, no way. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> so he says he'll be an astronaut, and then later he has some space shuttle legs, basically. Um, also, slight foreshadowing, when Jenny as a child makes Forrest pray with her to become a bird and fly far, far away, it comes back into play when she asks Forrest to recall it as she looks like she is considering jumping off the bridge. But then it makes a real return in the end when Forrest leaves her gravesite and the birds are seen flying away. Did you, did you notice that? I didn't notice the birds flying away. Yeah, once he, walk, once he walks away from her grave at the end, a flock of birds can see, be seen flying away. Yeah. So, And you also said this uh, earlier about the feather. It was like the first thing I think you mentioned. Um, the feather at the beginning floating to Forrest and then flying out of his Curious book, George book and floating away to the end of the movie is a very nice bookend, like I said. It is also potentially symbolic of the circle of life, death, and new beginnings, which is very creative. Uh, Tom Hanks interpreted the feather as, our destiny is only defined by how we deal with the chance elements to our life, and that's the kind of embodiment of the feather as it comes in. Here is the thing that can land anywhere and that it lands at our, your feet. It has the theologically implication theological implications that are really huge i slaughtered that last bit of it but that was from tom hanks himself interpreting the feather so the man himself <laughs> wake up wake up jordan i see you sleeping uh, sorry my my whole insurance for my car is all messed up i might have to go downstairs and fix it well Barb's not Anyways, uh, you want to get into the tropes? <laughs> yeah, but real quick, looks like Jordan's going to be running. Yeah. <laughs> I was running. <laughs> Trope, there it is. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, my favorite part of the, the podcast. Um, first off, protagonist title. Self, self-explanatory, Forrest Gump title of the movie and he's the protagonist so uh this is my story so my name is this or my name is this and this is my story uh this is actually one of the first ever tropes not much creativity went into the name but you get the point in forrest gump it occurs from the beginning obviously hello my name is forrest forrest gump would you like a chocolate um <coughs> excuse me Abusive parents, 
That's self-explanatory. Uh, you said it earlier, Jenny's father was sexually abusive. Appeal to famili familial wisdom. So the idea that respecting one's elders, specifically parents, equates to wisdom. Mother knows best, after all. Um, this occurs often in Forrest Gump, as on several occasions, Forrest begins a statement with, Mama says, or Mama always said. So that's appeal to familial wisdom. Disappeared dad. This is a subtrope of a trope called parental abandonment. The father of a character or character is missing or absent. In Forrest Gump, there isn't much emphasis placed on Forrest's father. He is never seen and is only mentioned twice when Forrest is a child. Once being when uh, the principal, Mr. Hancock, asks Miss Gump if there is a Mr. Gump, and she replies, he's on vacation. <laughs> um, childhood friend romance. That's also kind of self-explanatory. Forrest and Jenny went to school together, and Forrest has feelings for Jenny his entire life. Jenny finally returns those feelings at the end of the movie. So that's a childhood friend relation uh, romance. Arc words. Um, if you remember, arc words can be a word or phrase that appears throughout an arc or motif. In Forrest Gump, everyone tells Forrest to run. Running is a major theme of Forrest Gump. So the arc word is run. This one's funny. Been there, shaped history. This occurs when a character is either holy or is responsible for a famous real-life historical event. This happens several times in Forrest Gump, most notably when he teaches Elvis how to sway his hips, and then when he exposes Nixon for the Watergate scandal. Also with history, historical domain character. So this occurs when taking a well-known person from a real-life history and using this person as a character in a story. Forrest meets various celebrities who were historically, culturally, or sociologically, sociologically, uh, I guess. I don't know how to say that word properly. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with that. Um, they're important to history. <laughs> Between 1945 and 1981. So Elvis, George Wallace, John F. Kennedy, Lyndon Johnson, Abby Hoffman, John Lennon, and Richard Nixon. Those are... The ones that he meets. Um, so historical domain character. Bookends. As previously mentioned, the um, object tracking shot of the feather. Forrest waiting for a bus is also a bookend, along with Forrest getting on the bus as a child and introducing himself to the driver, Dorothy Harris. And then at the end of the movie, Forrest Jr. basically does the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, so th those are all bookends. Accidental athlete. Uh, this occurs when a character, normally a child, discovers that they have a natural athletic ability while doing something else, not specifically a sport. Um, for instance, Forrest is chased by those dickhead bullies, and he ends up running through the school field when the team was practicing. Um, that team just happens to be Paul Bear Bryant's University of Alabama team. I know you're not a big college football guy, but Bryant admires Forrest's speed, and Forrest is awarded a football scholarship to play as Alabama's running back. Um, why I brought up college football is, for those unaware, Bryant is universally considered to be one of the greatest American football coaches of all time. Um, during the war, again, self-explanatory, a portion of the film takes place during the Vietnam War. Big Damn Reunion. Um, this is it. It's the moment the story has been leading up to. One character finally reunites with another character again after weeks, months, perhaps even years. So after Forrest returns from Vietnam, Vietnam, and accidentally, a little Forrest Gump came out of me there. After Forrest Gump returns from Vietnam and accidentally finds himself at a hippie rally by, by the Washington Monument, a familiar voice calls out um, to him as Jenny runs across the reflecting pool. Um, and the two share a big hug in front of thousands of applauding onlookers. It doesn't really get much bigger than that. So... That's called a big damn reunion. Angry black man. So the angry black man is a trope based on a stereotype popular in the 1970s, 1980s. It is typically a young black male who knows that the man is out to get him and that um, the revolution will come, will soon come. Leaving Whitey with his black, wow, leaving Whitey with his back against the wall. Um, so in Forrest Gump, the Black Panther organization at the, the Black Panther Party, more specifically, the Black Panther that gets into Forrest's face fills the role of the angry black man. Be careful what you wish for. That's self-explanatory as well. 
Jenny tells Forrest that her dream is to be up on stage with her, or with just her and the guitar. Sorry, with just a guitar and her voice. Is that that's what? Yeah. Mm -hmm. She tells she tells Forrest that she wants to be up on stage with just a guitar and her voice. Yeah, she ends up literally being on stage, like I said earlier, with her guitar and her voice. Um, she failed to mention clothes. <laughs> but we uh, we obviously both saw the. Uh, the invisible panties or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> uh, Beard of Sorrow. So one of the easiest ways to show that a male character has fallen into depression is to show him with unkept stubble or a full beard after a, a large time skip. This happens on two occasions in Forrest Gump. One, Lieutenant Dan rocks the Beard of Sorrow when he first meets Forrest again after the war and claims that he was cheated out of his destiny. And then Forrest grows a beard of sorrow during his cross-country run. Shaving wasn't exactly a priority, but you all get the point. My favorite, um, Berserk Button. Um, Lieutenant Dan hearing someone call Forrest stupid. Also, anytime someone is harming Ginny, those are Berserk Buttons. Uh, beware the nice ones. So the silent or overly polite character who reaches their boiling point. In this case, it goes hand-in-hand hand with Forrest's berserk button. Um, anytime someone lays a hand on Ginny, Forrest is no longer the most even-tempered individual you could ever hope to meet. Instead, he becomes blackout violent towards the individual who, who touched Ginny. So, Multiple times. <laughs> yeah. Um, black dudes die first. Yes, this occurs in more than just horror movies. Um, in Forrest Gump, a poor nameless red shirt dies at the start of the ambush that also kills Bubba. Um, I said red shirt. That's also a trope. A red shirt is another trope and is a character who is on the side of good, but their purpose is almost exclusively to give the writer someone to kill who isn't the main character. So yeah. the red shirt just happens to be a black guy also, so black dude dies first. Um, this so is also... Trope. What? So double trope. Well, it's actually a triple trope. Because this is also an instance of boom headshot, because he oh. di he dies by a headshot. So <laughs> triple trope, um, caged bird metaphor. All right. So the caged bird metaphor is a common animal metaphor, whereby a character, often a woman or girl, is in an is in an oppressed environment, is associated with a caged bird, symbolizing their sense of confinement and long longing for freedom. In Forrest Gump, Ginny is associated with birds a couple a couple different ways here. From the moment um, she asks Forrest to pray with her, obviously. So she asks God to turn her into a bird and fly far, far away. Uh, she asks Forrest if he thinks she could she could fly off the bridge. As mentioned earlier, her second time contemplating suicide, Free Bird plays in the background. After Forrest visits her grave, the flock of birds fly away, like I said. And then also, the floating feathers seen at the beginning and the ending of the movie can also be included in this. So, cage bird metaphor directly relates to Ginny and a bird, basically. Ginny being a bird, I should say. <clears throat> okay, so Chekhov's skill. This is much like Chekhov's gun. Chekhov's skill covers instances where a character takes time in the story to become proficient at something. That something for Forrest is running and running fast. It allows him to escape bullies, gain a football scholarship, save his platoon, and most importantly, he carries Bubba um, as he escapes the napalm. So that's that's Chekhov's skill. I gotta figure out where this Chekhov comes from. <laughs> but what happened to the mouse? Sorry? Does that also pertain to the ping pong? Oh, yeah. I guess it could. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, the main one would be running, but he definitely has the skill of the ping pong as well. You're right. Yeah, running is a theme in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what happened to the mouse? We, we've had this a few times. Ginny's sisters were mentioned exactly once. Were they uh, were they sent to live with Grandma like Ginny? I'm not sure. They weren't essential characters, but it's still what happened. Um, yeah, they weren't even shown. They were just they were just brought up. They never that shown. one. Yeah, that one time. Um, the boys who chase Forrest around aren't seen or, or heard from after Forrest graduates either. So they're they're probably still in that little town being bitch ass bullies. But what happened to them? <laughs> um, Yes, yeah, so that's that's two examples of what happened to the mouse. Comically missing the point. This occurs when a character completely misses a really obvious point for comic effect. This happens a lot in Forrest Gump. Um, I've got a few specific instances to point out. 
He assumes Elvis Presley died from singing too much songs or something. <laughs> um, he notices Jenny performing as a nude stripper and thinks her dream of becoming a singer has come true. After giving a guy named Wesley a beating at a meeting of the Black Panthers, he and Jenny are sent away. He then apologizes. I'm sorry I had a fight at the Black Panther Party. <laughs> uh, during his time in the Viet Vietnam War, he notices they were looking for somebody named Charlie um, and assumes that the money of his so-called million-dollar wound was kept by the Army. Um, the million-dollar wound is... Whatever, but the the Charlie thing, I laughed. I laughed pretty good when. He... Yeah. Um, Forrest remembers where everyone in the battalion was from, except for Tex. <laughs> he can't remember what state Tex was from, but that, also, um, that's pretty funny. I just now thought of that. One of them's name was Cleveland or something, and he was from Detroit, I think. Yeah. So that was kind of a little well, weird. Most, if you if you listen back, most of them. Like their nicknames weren't like because when he, when Gump and Bubba tell him that he's from Alabama, Lieutenant Dan goes, "Oh, so Arkansas." Arkansas, yeah. So like <laughs> that's why how they got their nicknames was like him like doing shit like that. So. Okay, yeah. <laughs> a, little, a little bit of lawyer ski there. Okay. <laughs> um, I got two I more. Go ahead. It was kind of funny. I remember thinking it was kind of funny. Like, oh, he just said Arkansas. Why aren't they like saying something? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I got two more for the comically missing the point trope. He notices people in Watergate Hotel keeping him awake with their flashlights, asks the hotel receptionist to do something about it, but never thinks much of it, assuming they're just looking for a fuse box. <laughs> um, and then, probably the funniest one, he assumes Apple is some kind of fruit company. <laughs> uh, destroy the abusive home. So this occurs when it... Um, this occurs would be from the abusive parents uh, or a general tormentor a character has suffered at the hands of another but in the end their abuser is gone and the only place where the abuse occurred now remains so um, in Forrest Gump Jenny throws rocks at her abandoned childhood childhood home then her shoes then can't find anything else to throw and collapses sobbing after her death Forrest does her a favor by um, having the abusive home demolished so that's destroying the abusive home. Um, rags to riches. Character of poor or even modest economic standing becomes wealthy and successful. And Forrest Gump, Bubba's family ends up very rich because Forrest decided to give them what would have been Bubba's share of the revenue from Bubba Gump. So that's the rags to riches story. Uh, history repeats itself. That's kind of self-explanatory. There's a lot of scenes uh, mirror each other in Forrest Gump. We've got a few here. Forrest meets Jenny on the bus, where nobody wants to sit next to him. Later, he joins the army, um, and the same situation happens again, but this time it's Bubba who allows him to sit next to him. Later, when Forrest's son goes to the school bus, he also introduces himself to the bus driver, as Forrest did. Uh, Forrest being chased by bullies, with, when, with Jenny defending him, occurs both when he's a child and then as a teenager. The only difference is they chase him by bike and then, as an adult, by car. Forrest's mother dies in the bed in his house, mirrored later by Jenny dying in the same bed, which is a little, little creepy, but hey. Forrest meets presidents of the USA, Kennedy, Johnson, and Nixon. <laughs> Forrest beats up men who mistreat Jenny. That history continues to repeat itself with that. And then Forrest walking or running past the same barbershop. I never actually picked up on the barbershop thing um, until I... I read that, and then I noticed it when I watched the movie back. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, history repeats itself. Um, no one gets left behind. That's self-explanatory. Um, it's, it's big in war movies because it's a common motto in the military to never leave a man behind. Um, you might have heard that. Uh, Forrest runs back and forth in hostile territory and under, filed, under fire to recover all the injured people from his unit. That's no one gets left behind. Long list. Okay, I told you this earlier. It was a trope when you mentioned it. It's a comedy trope where a person rattles off or displays an absurdly long list of things. How many things can be made of shrimp? Ask Bubba. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last one I've got, your favorite character, or one of your favorite characters, Unwanted Rescue. That's self-explanatory. Lieutenant Dan wanted to die at war, 
as he thought it was his destiny, since everyone else in his family did before him. Therefore, he was not pleased when Forrest saved him from his said death. That's called unwanted rescue. He obviously came around in the end, but... Yeah. <laughs> he got legs. Is that, yeah. <laughs> Is there any that I didn't mention or that you didn't already mention earlier that you can think of? No, I can't think of any. I feel like we covered... There's a lot of tropes in this fucking movie. Yeah. I mean, each each review, I leave out so, so many tropes. But, I mean, I don't want... I. I want to provide a little bit of education and have some fun with it. I don't want to just sit here and ramble off for two hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to saturate it with tropes. But yep. It's become something of our <coughs> podcast. <clears throat> Absolutely. You know, I think the listeners could go on Instagram and <coughs> doing uh, tell us their favorite trope. <laughs> yeah. Or tell me, t- tell me ones that I left out. I would, I would like to see if some uh, listeners know any of them that I, that I left out. <clears throat> but that that does it man <clears throat> it's a new year officially 2021 well it's January 2nd but well they're going to be listening to it on January 2nd right <clears throat> so if you guys haven't you need to get on and listen to the one we did that aired yesterday Elf correct <laughs> There's, there's a, a good, as we said in the beginning of this, there's a good backlog of um, episodes we've done. So if you haven't listened to them, catch up, guys. Yeah, catch up and let us know what you think. So, you told me to hold off for this episode. Do you want to know what my pick is? Yeah. Okay. It's a little bit it's a little bit war-related. And um, since we, we, told, we said that January is going to be the month of our favorites... This movie is my all-time favorite movie. Um, at one point in time, it was Bad Boys. Another time, it was Enemy of the State. I'm a big Will Smith fan. Um, but then I watched this movie, and this movie I, is just hands down my favorite movie of all time at this point. Do you know what it is? I'm not sure if I ever told you what my favorite movie is or not. Is it Hacksaw Ridge? Ooh, that's a good one too, but no. Inglorious Bastards with Brad Pitt. Glorious Bastards? Yes. Have you ever seen it? I have not. I don't think so. Okay. It's it's a war. I thought you were going to say 300 at first. Actually, that was on my list, because I've, I've made a list of what I'm going to call out for the rest, the rest of the month, and I had that, but I replaced it with another one that I thought would, would be more fun to do. Um, but my all-time favorite is Inglorious Bastards. So... Heard it first, guys. We're listening to Glorious Bastards next week. That's right. <laughs> We're watching it. You're going to listen to our review. <laughs> <laughs> you want to plug the Instagram for him? Yeah, Instagram. Go in there, follow us. Two Bros in a review. Uh, you know, like the content that we post. We do some cover art, some pretty funny cover art. I can't wait to see uh, what Nate's got for the Horace Gump one. <laughs> uh, once we get to 100 followers, uh, we're going to start doing live reaction videos. And then Nathan's going to start doing some hot sauce. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not going to start doing it. It's just going to be for the first one that we do. Uh, oh. I've got, uh, I think, five five hot sauces um, with different levels of intensity, which I believe you posted that on the Instagram if people want to check that out. Um, but, yeah, me and Jordan, we're going to have some wings or something and coat them in these different sauces while I'm doing the review. And our listeners and viewers will be able to to see my reaction and see if I can get through the review because there's a uh, there's some pretty heavy duty ones that I picked out but <clears throat> go check out that Instagram guys <clears throat> give it a follow message us um, tell us some of your favorite tropes and whatnot like we've we discussed put in some requests of things you want us to review just whatever but definitely give us a follow on Instagram two bros and a review um, also. As always, listen to us every week, every Saturday on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, whatever platform you use. Um, if the platform that you use isn't, a, we're not available on the platform you use, just reach out to us, two bros in a review, let us know, and we'll do what we can to get us on there. Yeah, our uh, reviews go live at noon Eastern every Saturday, 
So uh, get on to your Apple device to the purple icon, the Apple podcast. Leave us five stars and comment. Let us know something funny. Uh, like we said earlier, once we start getting more comments and more uh, feedback from that, we're going to start reading them, but uh, we don't want to spoil anything. So get on there and leave it for us. Two, bros in a re- two brothers in a review. And that's where you're going to find us. Yeah. Um, this is three, three free things to do to support us. We appreciate it. Follow us on the Instagram, Two Bros in a Review. Listen to us weekly. And give us reviews on iTunes and Apple Podcast. Please, please do those things. Um, each week, we plug our brother and our brother from another mother um, podcast. The Two Random Guys. Or Those Random Guys. Sorry, guys. Those TRG Network, those T- random guys. <laughs> TRG Network, those random guys, yep. So go go check them out on YouTube, and you said they're on Spotify too? I believe so. Apple Podcasts. They're, yeah, just just look for TRG Network, those random guys. Give them a listen. They're, they're two good guys, and they they have good good content. So, um, Very good. <laughs> another thing, uh, my YouTube channel, High Society Productions. I've said it a few times. Um, it's, it's me picture of me wearing a high society hat make sure you click on the right one subscribe to my channel watch my content um if you haven't already it's this is the second day of the year so i'll have another video up but um i put it out that i'm going to put a different video up of some sort every day of 2021 and i've already got one in the barrel for um january 1st so by the time this drops, I'll have one in the barrel for January 2nd also. So please go check that out, subscribe, and hit that little bell notification. You know, all that good stuff. Tell a friend. Hey, Archie. <laughs> for those of you that aren't watching our our podcast, Kyle just turned the camera to his, his big horse, Archie. <laughs> He's just laying on the floor next to me, just chilling. <laughs> well, uh, if, you, if you don't have anything... Yeah. To, Go ahead. I was going to say, that's all that I have. I, You know, I don't have any official YouTube channels to plug, so I'm just going to leave it at that. Gotcha. Well, that's all I had to say about that. <laughs> that's all I got to say about that. <laughs> well, I'm going to go ahead and sign off today. Uh, I'm Kyle Webb. I'm his brother, Nathan Webb. And you're listening to our podcast. Two brothers and a review. Bye-bye, Jenna. And that's all I have to say about that.